Hey, Matt. Hey, Gymnastic Boys here. How yep. are you? Doing good. Just want to wish you a uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Love you. We think about you a lot. We think about you every day. I need you in my life, Matthew. Please. In the whole of my heart. I thought you said hello. That's why I said, huh? Hello? Well, I miss you. What's up? We got to go. Oh, the cops are here. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you live from the Ohio Media School Studios, welcome to the Dark Match Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt Barger and Patrick Carney. Matthew! What's up? Not much, man. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm coming to you from location. Yeah, you're on location. I don't even know where on location is, but... Yeah, My I, birthday party. Your birthday party. You're calling me from like a, a closet at this point. <laughs> yes. You're like, I still have responsibilities to do. I still have a show that I need to run, but I'm gonna hide in this cloak like this coat closet and make a phone call really quick at your own birthday. Yeah, because they're party. all Italian and loud as hell. And oh, like Jesus. with doors closed, I can still hear them. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes to not necessarily just them being Italian, but like kids are loud regardless. No matter oh, yeah, their yeah. nationality, they're loud. Yeah. But well, you know. Yeah. You know, well, Italians ha- tend to have more projected voices. It seems like. Oh, trust me. At your, least in your, my household. Your wife's yelled at me plenty of times. And, oh yeah. And well, I had to be tell th- you she's Sicilian. She's not Italian. Oh God! So she's gonna Big correct difference. me on that. Please forgive me, <laughs> Melissa. I'm so sorry. She's Sicilian. She's not Italian, but. Yeah, so she's the loudest and most ornery of them all. That's all. Well, it, it, love I you, babe. <laughs> love you too, Melissa. <laughs> At the same point, you're you're calling in on location. It's your own birthday. Yep. Two weeks ago, we premised this birthday extravaganza for your yep. for your big day, yep. and you're not even here. Well, you know, I kind of probably should have ran it by my mom and my old lady beforehand, who had already planned something out. I, I still I have a little bit of beef. I was your your quote unquote best man in your wedding, and I wasn't even yep. invited to your birthday party. Well, this was just a family birthday party. It I'm was literally family. My stepdad, my stepbrother, my mom, my boys, and my wife. That was it. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll give you a pass. But yeah. it goes to the point that we should run things by significant others before we try to plan anything. Speaking of running, thing by, running things by significant others, what the hell happened this weekend when you were down in uh, Maslin? Well, or Mansfield, I mean. Mansfield, sorry, Ma- not Maslin. I always mix those two cities up. It's fine. But I would take it back one more time. Well, speaking of running things by people, what happened down in Mansfield this weekend? Well... First, I thought you were just going to watch a show. I, I thought so, too. So that was my full anticipation. That was the plan from start to finish. And I, I will I will say that until I'm blue in the face. I fully intended on just sitting there and watching a wrestling event. So long story short, for those individuals that weren't there to experience it, so I arrived at the venue um, and – for those individuals that weren't aware, I was invited to ASWA's winter reunion in Mansfield, Ohio. 
this past Saturday. Um, and I was invited by Benjamin Bartholomew of MAD, uh, the cur- one of the current tag team champions at the time. And I-, I took him up on his offer. He's been harassing our guests and also our fans for quite some time. I'm sick. I, I was sick of it. I-, I was sick and utterly tired of it. And I took him up on his offer. I said, look, you talk a lot of smack. Here's your opportunity to impress me. So he invited me to the event. Well, shortly after arriving, I was invited at that point, to be a special guest timekeeper for the night. So I actually sat at the timekeeper's table for the entire event. So I was right there at ringside the entire time, just on the opposite side of the barricade, which was awesome. I I felt like I was in... I don't mean to cut in, but better than you than me for being a timekeeper because I'm late as shit to everything. So I guess it was better you were there for that. Yeah, well, I, I got to ring that. the bell. Like, that was fun. I'll be late to my own funeral, just saying. I don't see how that's possible, but whatever. <laughs> I'll but, find a way. But uh, we I'll were... make them take a couple extra trips around the block before they drop me off. <laughs> you're going to have to have them stop at <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. No, not Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> They're gonna, you're going to ask One them frappe from, your, from McDonald's. Yeah, please. caramel frappe for Matt in his coffin <laughs> to take with him to hell. But but moving along it's gonna from It's going to be there. hot down there. But I'm trying to be serious right now, man. You want to know what happened, I'm going to tell you what happened. So, uh, And then the next match came up, and it was the moment of truth. It was better than you's opportunity to prove that they were better than everyone else. Did they and you pr- had the best seats in the house. I had the best seat in the house. Yep. And did they impress me? Absolutely not. What happened? <laughs> they cost themselves the match. They got themselves disqualified. Oh. They were extremely outmanned. They were outpowered. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, they only had one option available, and that was to get themselves disqualified and cost them the match. All while Benjamin Bartholomew is talking smack to me. <laughs> I loved it. It's like, you, so here's your opportunity. He's not paying attention to his match. He's paying attention no. to the guy that's There was no play. way they were going to take them out. No way whatsoever. So, needless to say, here was your opportunity to impress me. You didn't do it in your match. But kudos to you. I'm going to clap right now. Congratulations. You're still the ASWA Tag Team Champions. And you earn nobody's respect by doing it. But I digress. Moving forward, the next match of the evening is Madman Fulton putting up his, shut up, putting up his <laughs> ASWA heavyweight championship against Izzy Lambert. So a few oh, that's a good match. That's a fantastic match. So long story short, a few uh, last week, uh, Madman Fulton had made a little bit of an offer to Izzy Lambert to. Have him join MAD. And Mm. at the event on Saturday, he asked him what his answer was. So the match starts off with him asking Izzy, what's your your decision? And Izzy kind of thinks about it for a second. And Fulton tells him, if you want to join us, if you want to be a part of this and continue to grow from here, lay down. Well, what did Izzy do? He laid down. Not lay down. He did? He laid down. Really? Yep. And then Fulton went for the pin. One. Up. Oh, Izzy rolls him up. One. Oh boy. Two. Three. New what? ASWA champion. No way. He beat new, Madman Fulton? 
Hold on. With the schoolboy? With the schoolboy. One, two, three. New ASWA heavyweight champion Izzy Lambert becomes the first triple crown champion. Let me repeat it one more time for a few people that didn't hear it on Saturday. I know you did because you made a point about it, but I'm going to say it again. The first triple crown champion out of your graduating class, which includes J.J. DeVille and Madman Fulton. Izzy Lambert beats you to the punch. Izzy Lambert becomes the first triple crown champion out of that graduating class. Well, what does Madman Fulton do? He throws a tantrum like my daughter in Target when we tell her she can't have a Slurpee. He throws a tantrum like a little girl. And so gets like Melissa when I won't let her have something at Target. Yeah, or she tells you that you're you're going to get her Taco Bell, and then you tell her no, yeah. and she throws a tantrum. Oh God, you know us so well. I know that's why I was your best man. But anyway, he <laughs> throws a tantrum like a little girl. Tells him that if he's a fighting champion, he will put the title up in a rematch right now. Is he being the man that he is? Decides you know what. I'm going to take you up on that offer. I'm a fighting champion, unlike yourself, where you want to play mind games and have me lay down instead of fighting me. So he accepts the challenge. Sit back. It's going to get fun. Before Izzy can even put his new title down, he's jumped by MAD. J.J. DeVille, Benjamin Bartholomew, and Madman Fulton attack him before the match. Match Before the bell even rings. Before the bell even rings. Now, I have to give it to Izzy Lambert. He put himself in a position where he felt he could continue. He didn't say, no, I can't go, which, honestly, he should have done. But I love the fighting spirit of the kid. He said, no, I can go. Let's do this. At which point, Madman Fulton hits him with probably five of his finishers. Now, I'm sitting at the timekeeper's table. I'm watching this guy lay there motionless. Not moving, not flinching, and the ref is doing nothing. He's not checking on him. He's not doing anything. Now, I know Izzy Lambert. I've talked with Izzy Lambert. He previously has had a broken neck, and this guy's laying motionless on the ground. I personally, yeah, I, unfortunately, I had to throw in the towel. I took the towel that was at the timekeeper's table. I threw it in the ring. Looked at the announcer. I said, I call in this match. Looked at the ref and said, it's on me. Due to timekeeper stoppage, the winner of this match, and new ASWA champion, Madman Fulton. So that was the downside of the evening, but it got a little bit worse. So next wait, thing wait, you know. Wait, real fast. Did Izzy give you permission to do that? No, he did not. But he was just in that bad of a state. No, and even after the match, we had a conversation. He said if I was in the same position and you were in my shoes and I experienced that knowing his background, he would have did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He he was in no state to wrestle. He 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 got jumped before. Yeah, there was nothing else I could do. I I had to call that match. Someone was really going to get hurt. So I had to call the match. I called the match. I... Myself gave the title back to Madman Fulton. Kick myself right now, but that's not where this story ends. Next thing you know, as soon as they have that title back, what do they decide to do? They want to make Izzy pay for not joining them. So they grab a chair. They put it around the neck of Izzy. I'm in a headlock from J.J. DeVille. He then throws me into the ring. Well, I'm not just going to sit there and watch nothing happen. 
Let's you be honest. No wrestling experience. No wrestling experience whatsoever. I'm up in the ring. I get thrown into the ring. At that point, I crawl right over to Izzy. I take the chair off of his neck and I say, "No, this ain't happening." He had a broken neck. I'm like, "You got yeah. the title. You got what you wanted. Congratulations." I threw in the towel. You can thank me for your victory, madman. This is this is ridiculous. Get out of the ring. This is over. It's done. Then Madman Fulton decides he's going to shove me twice. I'm sorry. I've been chopped three times from this guy. Now I've been pushed twice. I can't take it anymore. I push Madman Fulton back. He wants to fight. Let's fight. I'm not someone. I'm not going to back down. You put your hands on me. I'm not a trained wrestler, but I'm a fighter. I don't back down. But I'm in your realm. I'm in your business. I'm in your ring. I'm not a trained professional. So I push him. What happens? He pushes me back. And I'll be honest with you. He gave me a hell of a hit. I fell back right on my back. And then yeah. he starts punching me in the head. <laughs> Thank Coming out, Nightmare Jimmy Lee coming out to my rescue. That's all I'm going to say. The second wow. that he hit the ring, they bolted. I got up. I Thank check God on Izzy. La- yeah, I, che- I get up. I check on Izzy Lambert. I ask for a microphone. And I wanted to know exactly what's going on. We had Barry Hardy in the ring. We had J- Nightmare Jimmy Lee in the ring. We still had Izzy Lambert in the ring. And we had MAD at ringside on the outside of the ring. So I just want to know what the hell is going on. First off, I question Barry Hardy and ask him what the hell is going on with his talent. Why are they yeah. putting their hands on me? More importantly, I gave them the victory. And what do they want to do? They want to put me in a headlock and bring me to, rings- to the side of the ring to watch this happen? And then throw me into the ring? No. Yeah. What's wrong with you? So That's fucked up. It, it, it is messed up. But at the same point, I look at him and say, look, I'm not a trained professional, but I'm not someone that's going to back down from a fight. So let's go. Nope. Give me you're the right. fight right now. I will fight you right now. Barry looks at me and says, look, you're not a trained professional. I can't let you do that. I can't authorize that. I can't sign off on it. I can't have an untrained person have a fight with one of my one of my guys. At that point in time, Jimmy Lee grabs the microphone and says, I'll train him. At that point, I'm kind of flabbergasted at the comment. So I look at him and I say, what the hell, what do you mean by that? He said, I'll train him. Next thing you know, it kind of escalates from there. And we have a match set for, just kind of fast forwarding if you weren't there, we have a match set for February 2nd. MAD is going to show up. No titles on the line. This is going to be at the Richland Fairgrounds. We'll have more information up as it progresses from there. Uh, there was a little little thing here that uh, we kind of had to figure out. There's three of them, but there's only one of me. Now, I might take an ass whooping, but to be honest, I'd like a little bit of help. So, first person I asked, Izzy Lambert. And that's exactly where we started at. But that still leaves us one man short. So Nightmare Jimmy Lee notices that there's two of us and three of them. We need someone else. So he offers to make a phone call, and that phone call gets answered. And the challenge was accepted. So on February 2nd, it is going to be MAD, which consists of the ASWA heavyweight champion, Madman Fulton. Once again, you're welcome. The ASWA tag team champions of J.J. DeVille and Benjamin Bartholomew versus myself, Easy Lambert, 
and the Monster Abyss. Gosh damn. So the match Which has been one set. of these is not like the other? Um, the individual that has never stepped foot in the ring, that's for <laughs> sure. It's going to take place on February 2nd. The match has been announced. It has been accepted. The contract has been signed. I will be stepping into the ring in the corner with Izzy Lambert and the Monster Abyss. Now, I'm not a trained professional. I'm going to start training. But at the same point, I'm the son of a bitch that doesn't back down from a fight. On February 2nd, that's exactly what you're going to get. No offense. I, I'm not a trained professional. Madman Fulton, you've been doing this for how long? J.J. DeVille, you, how long have you been doing this? Benjamin Bartholomew, yeah. how long have you been doing this? Well, I Here. feel very confident in the fact that I have two monsters in my corner to help out as well. Yeah, you got a strong team around you, which is good. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with the team that I have, but at the same point, I know there's going to be a point where I have to get into the ring. I'll see you February 2nd, and I'm damn looking forward to it. Happy birthday, Matt. <laughs> Hiya, this is Sunny Kiss, a.k.a. Egolicious, and I am calling in to wish Matt a Sunnylicious, happy Sunnylicious birthday, that is. So, enjoy, and yeah, enjoy your holiday. Bye-bye. Matt, happy 37th birthday from Pero, Odinson, and Drennan, collectively known as The End. Keep loving pro wrestling, and enjoy your birthday. But I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, it's Matt's birthday. I wish he could have been here for this. He's been begging to have this individual on for quite some time. Was finally able to secure the date. Here he is. And where's Matt? He's nowhere to be found. As you've heard at the beginning of the interview, at the beginning of this podcast, he's not here. So guess what? I get to enjoy this all for myself. So on the line with us right now, you know him from Lucha Underground. You've seen him in countless promotions all across the U.S. If you search him on Twitter or on Instagram, you can find him at Ricky Mandel. Or if you watch him on Netflix or on the El Rey Network on Lucha Underground, you can find him as Ricky Mundo. Ricky, how are you doing today? I am doing just fine. How are you? I'm fantastic. I I'm, I'm, I have a room all to myself, so I, I don't have to worry about getting sick from my co-host. So it's a win-win for me. Sounds but, great. All right. <laughs> exactly. So at this point in time, obviously, we want to take a couple steps back like we do all the time. We had a little bit of a conversation before we started hitting the record button. So yep. I'm excited to kind of get into this and find out where and what brought you to where you are today. So just kind of starting things off, where are you from? Uh, originally born and raised in Berwyn, Illinois. Spent my first 10 years there before uh, my mother decided, hey, it's too cold here. Let's get out of here and move to the West Coast, specifically California. But before we did that, uh, she obviously brought me out there to um, see if I liked it and I like to consider this a little rib because she would bring me to Laguna Beach the first two times we went and then move me to middle of nowhere, Orange County. Oh my so, God. yay, <laughs> yay, yay. So I'm thinking beach, surfing, this is going to be great. Nope. I just moved to a conservative area where, uh, as a wrestling fan, you uh, get poked fun of and uh, tormented most of your life. <laughs> And I'm sure, especially if you moved to Laguna Beach, I'm sure it was around that time where that show on MTV was a top hit. So you're going oh, yeah. out there just thinking that, just telling people that, whether it be on social media, hey, I live in oh, Laguna sure. Beach now. Oh, that's awesome. It's like, no, now, sure. now I live in, in BFE, Orange County. Yeah, but then, but then um, either way, then Orange County comes out and 
regardless, everybody thinks you're a surfer, which I might have been. I might have had that opportunity if I lived on the beach. Thanks, Mom. But uh, oh, I wasn't. I love that movie. I That's like a if it's on i caught it a couple times on like tbs like late at night i don't know what it is about that it's stupid but i yeah. love that movie i, I don't know that, that's, why. that's normally like jack black movies though right yeah like it's like a closet love for jack black where you're just you're impartial but if his movie's on you're gonna watch it for sure for sure <laughs> so what was that transition like what kind of obstacles did you find going from cold illinois to Orange County, California. Okay, so uh, where I grew up in Berwyn, um, everyone, I mean, it was one of those areas uh, where pretty much everybody grew up together. All the kids that I grew up with, we, we all knew each other from, like, childhood. I mean, like, grew up in diapers. One of the kids, like, helped potty train me. Like, that type of closeness, you know? Oh, wow. Um, and, y- you know, it was, it was uh, you know, we talked about this, so I'm just going to throw some F-bombs because that's what I do. But everything was fuck this, fuck that shit, piss, everything, you know. And yeah. then I moved to this area in California where, you, you know, you're whew, spawn of devil, the, the devil if you even say but, you know. And oh, I'm wow. like, whoa, this is, yeah. So not only the weather was different, but, I mean, just everything. I mean, I, you know, I was a nerdy Illinois kid with a, a goofy haircut, more goofy than my haircut is now. And, like, you know, I'm moving to this area where everybody's just, I mean, I guess they think they're cool. I don't know. But so that was, I mean, that's pretty much how that went over. Yeah, it's like completely polar opposites to the, the atmosphere that you were used to. You got exactly. there and uh, originally it was very relaxed and you could pretty much yes. just say whatever you wanted. And now it's like uh, like the Stepford Wives, essentially. Yeah. And, and, you know, back there, and I'm not, I'm not condoning everybody's this way by any means. I'm not saying all Californians are, you know, douchebags or all Illinois people are great. I, it just depends on the person, you know. But I do recall um, a lot of the time if um, you weren't good at something there, they would help you become, like, say, a sport. They would help you become better. Whereas when I moved there, if you struck out in baseball or something on the street, it was like, I just laugh at him. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> work with me. Wow. Want, you know, going back to your transition from Illinois to California. Now, you had mentioned being a wrestling fan moving to Orange County. Where did that kind of play into it? Were you always a wrestling fan or was that kind of your release when you moved to Orange County? OK, so this is pretty much how this went over. Um I, uh, being in Illinois, my dad was, um, he was the one who was really into wrestling when I was growing up. I didn't know too much about it other than, Hey, dad likes wrestling. Cool. It must be cool if dad likes it, you know? And so as a kid, I didn't really watch it, but I did collect a lot of the, the merchandise, like, cause I was, I was huge on toys. Even to this day, I'm, you know, huge on just action figures and toys and stuff like that. So um, when we go to, um, you know, like when I go to Toys R Us or whatever, I would usually pick out like a wrestling action figure here and there, um, almost to just like, like, Hey dad, look who I got, <laughs> you know? And there were multiple times where he would tell me about certain wrestlers, um, obviously Hogan, uh, ultimate warrior and, you know, Jake, the snake were the, the main ones that he kind of pull me out of bed and be like, Hey, this guy's on, look, check him out here. See this, see what's in the bag. That's a big snake. Ah, you know, like, Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. but it wasn't, yeah, but it actually wasn't 
until I moved to California when I really discovered wrestling. And it's funny because even though I moved 2,000 miles away, it was actually in Illinois where I discovered it because we went back to visit right after we moved. And one of my close time friends growing up apparently was a huge fan of just, you know, WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, going back, I was visiting, obviously, my sister, 14 years older than me, uh, half-sister. Um, so, you know, I was visiting with her and my brother-in-law, my nephews, all them. And we would bring one of my friends along just for whatever thing we were doing. And I think, like, maybe, might have been the day before we left or two days, um, they invited me to a wrestling event. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'll go. Don't know much about wrestling other than what I knew from, you know, like your dad's up. stories like, and stuff. Like yeah, that. exactly. Like, you know, like your Hogan's. And I had no idea of a WCW, I, I, nothing. So um, he invites me to this, uh, this event. And I'm the, the kid who, for some reason, it was quiet where we were at the time. And I look back and I'm like, kind of like, oh my God, I wonder what all these other fans were thinking. Because this is during the Monday Night War. You know, this is like WCW versus WWF. You have to pick sides, you know? Yeah. So so I just remember walking to our seats and about to sit down. And my question was, oh, and keep in mind, I'm a dorky little kid. Oh, will Hulk Hogan be here? And I'm just like, oh, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, no, that's a different company. I'm like, okay. Um but yeah, that, that's how that went over, oh. uh, like a fart in church, right? Yeah. But um, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we watched the show, and immediately, I, I fell in love. I, I I don't I couldn't tell you exactly what it was. I mean, it was probably just a little bit of everything. But I mean, from that moment on, that's where I really legit eleven years old start to um look into uh, wrestling schools because some of the magazines, those like world of wrestling magazines Mm -hmm. um, had a lot of those articles on, you know, uh, I think they had like the Funkin' Dojo had an ad out. And I think at one time UPW did an article on, you know, these wrestling schools. So from that moment on, I I pretty much knew um, this is what I want to do. And when I turn 18, that's when I'm, you know, I'm going to go to wrestling school and, become a pro wrestler it's kind of strange because at 11 years old not being now obviously your dad watched it with you was kind of the person that gave you that culture and that history rundown was there like a particular moment that happened at that event where it was kind of like the aha like i want to do this this is exactly what i want to do was there something significant that happened i i think you know i think it was a build-up over just the the course of the years or not not even the years because like i said it was pretty pretty quick transition you know um but over just the the course of watching starting to watch on a regular basis but i i, I feel like just being in that energy that environment of you know because it's one thing to watch it on tv and then it's another thing to be there live at any show you know and i i just feel like that 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 in, like that energy was there and just the, 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 the fans cheering and um, just seeing multiple characters and, you know, just how people, different people reacted to different things. And, you know, I'm seeing different, 
like I said, different entrances. So I'm seeing different lightings for each character. And I'm like, this is, this is, you know, you go to the circus and you're seeing multiple things like, Oh, this is the greatest show on earth. No, I always thought and will forever think that any wrestling event is the greatest show on earth. That's just, you know, where my mind's at with wrestling. Ditto. Ditto. Just the allure of it. And it's kind of like a glorified rock concert in a sense. Yeah. It's For a sure. it, it in the essence of just individuality of every single person. It's mm-hmm. no one is the same. There, there's all yeah. different characters, and obviously, growing up in from the sounds of it, if it was WWF, that was the Attitude Era. That was the Golden yeah. Ages, and you yeah, touched sure. on it perfectly. You couldn't just be a wrestling fan. You had to be a WCW fan. You had to be a mm-hmm. WWF fan. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. good thing is like the. Like, the Switzerland was ECW. Like, if you could get it on TV, like, no one would would say, like, no, you can't watch that. It's like, oh, you can get it? Awesome. Like, that was, like, you were even cooler if you could get, e- like, ECW to come in on your TV clear. But I have a funny ECW story, actually. Shoot. Because as I started to get a little bit older, like, in eighth grade, that's where, you know, because, I, I mean, I had friends who in, you know, because elementary school, everybody I knew, like, wwf that was that was it but then you get into um um you know your junior highs and high schools where you're meeting people from different schools and stuff like that so um that's where i started meeting people who were like huge wcw fans and it was oh goldberg's the best and you know oh no 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 like steve austin is oh blah 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 whoever um but i had one friend who was like oh yeah i'm a wrestling fan i was like oh cool like what do you like wwf or wcw and he's just like what neither i like ecw and i'm like the only thing i knew about ecw was like i said from what i've seen in magazines but i never seen it and then like one day i don't remember what i can't i couldn't tell you like a, a day or whatever but i just remember flipping through the channels and that's where i seen um ecw on tv for the first time and that was the only time i was able to find it and it was uh taz or sabu Ooh. And I was just like, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is different. <laughs> yeah. What superstars did you see yourself gravitating towards? Who were kind of your heroes when you were growing up? Okay. Oh, well, obviously, when I first started watching, it was the, the obviously, like, the Rock and Mankind feud was kind of starting. If it had an no, it must have been starting or getting something, something around those lines. But I really liked uh, Mankind for the longest time and the Rock. But I remember the first... Um, I guess non-main event guy at the time, or yeah, I mean, I was like a lot of guys. I have respect for all the guys, you know. Um, but let's just put it this way: um, when you tell your fifth grade teacher, or maybe it was my sixth grade teacher, um, when they when you tell them you're a wrestling fan and they ask you who your favorite wrestler is, it's very tough, and you have to watch what you're saying when your favorite wrestler is a guy named Mr. Ass. I get it. I get it. I was there too. So, I was that guy. Like I was just super entertaining, uh, hell of a wrestler. I mean, even to this day, I, I look back and I, I mean, I don't even think I realized how good he was until I grew up and just like look back and watch. I'm just like, man, Billy Guns. He is what he said he was a badass. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of compare true. him to like the modern day like Dolph Ziggler. He sure, he was a sure. freak athlete. Uh, yeah. In his time, and it kind of seems like from the story that you told, we, you and I kind of came in around about the same time. I okay. came in around about Survivor Series '98 was when okay. I started oh, watching. Fantastic! 
Well, and funny story, I, I was just to kind of let you know like how out of it I was from a wrestling perspective. I stayed up until 11 o'clock at night, and now I was in fourth or fifth grade, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I saw on channel 39, and 39 for me was the TV Guide channel. And all my friends at school and all the cool kids at school were talking about Survivor Series. There's going to be a new champion. So I see that 11 o'clock at night, it says WWF Survivor Series. So I stay up until 11 o'clock at night. Now, it didn't say this on pay-per-view or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It said WWF Survivor Series on the Home Shopping Network. So <laughs> stupid me stays up until 11 o'clock at night expecting to watch on the Home Shopping Network this wrestling event, and I'm suckered into watching them try to sell all this merchandise. I'm like, where's wrestling? And yeah. I go into school the next day. Luckily, I, I could talk about, like, things that happened. I was like, well, The Rock won, and that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. And here I am. I'm exhausted the next day because I stayed up until midnight to watch m my supposed Survivor Series on the Home Shopping Network. That's how uh, were out they, of it. Were they giving away the um, – if you, if you order now, uh, we'll get you uh, the free Stone Cold Steve Austin action figure. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were All giving, right. oh, yeah, the, just free stuff galore. Like, yep. they, they had the old school Mankind shirts. Like, buy one now and you can. I, I don't know why I remember this, but one of the free giveaways, I kid you not, was a fanny pack. And it was a DX fanny pack. And I want it. And still to this day, I want it. Yeah. So fanny packs are coming back around. But I wanted that fanny pack. And I start telling people at school. And they're like, I didn't see that on the pay-per-view. I'm like, oh no, it was like <laughs> it was like afterwards. It was like the exclusive, like after the pay-per-view. And I tried to make it sound cool. Like I wasn't gonna You're tell just people bullshitting them trying to sound cool. Yeah, yeah, like I was like, I'm not gonna tell people I stayed up to watch the fucking home shopping network. Like thinking like that's where it was gonna be broadcast. Oh man. <laughs> so that was my first exposure to wrestling. That was the first time I ever like was like, you know what, screw it. If I get grounded for watching wrestling. I'm gonna watch wrestling. I'm tired of being the outcast kid, and then I kind of levitate. Uh, I kind of gravitated towards there, and I, I love badass Billy Gunn too. But yeah, uh, around that time, I, I got extremely lucky. My mom, um, I as I mentioned, I grew up in Cleveland. My mom, like my mm -hmm. birthday was coming up. She's like, "Look, there's a wrestling event that's coming to town. Do you want to go to it?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I want to go to a wrestling event." So my first exposure to wrestling was at WWF No Mercy. And okay. the match that literally like made me like the diehard wrestling fan I was today, I saw the tag team ladder match between the Hardys and Edge and Christian. For the, oh, okay. For, for the Terry or, Yeah, Terry Invitational. It, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I that was the first match that I saw where I was like, holy shit, yeah. No, like I'm I'm like even to this day that match still stands the test of time. But Oh yeah. Like seeing that live, I oh I was like a huge Brood fan too. So seeing that, I like nothing else matter. I'm like wrestling galore, wrestling a hundred percent. Well, that's what um it's funny that you brought up the Brood because that was one of those. I I just remember sitting down and watching it, and that was like definitely one of the major, I guess, turning points too for like. Like, I don't, you know, no matter what, like, it was just so helpful. And, you know, my decision to become a wrestler was just them coming out. Like, how cool is this? 
like, you know, I was always into that, like, kind of like, I guess, I don't know, maybe spooky stuff, if yeah. you will. So to see, like, this cool music and these lights going off flickering red with this, this fire and a vampire coming out, like, man, like, this is cool. Yeah, like, I have How a, can you not? Yeah, like, I have, like, a drawstring backpack that I, like, carry all my stuff around in uh, okay. for the show. Yeah. I, I'm looking at it right now. I literally, like, I can go through the pins that I have on this thing, but I literally have a brood, like, the brood pin on my on my backpack. Where'd you get that? I, I found it on eBay. Really? I paid, wow. like, five bucks for it. So, jumping back into it, so, you're, you're growing up, you're in the Attitude Era, fast-forwarding to the PG Era and the start of the, the start of the PG Era, and kind of into the ruthless aggression era. You did all this research to find a wrestling school to turn this dream that you had into a reality. What steps yes. did you take from there to make this dream what it is today? I well, okay, so I finally discovered. Um, I think it was UPW because that's where I went. I went to you know Ultimate Pro Wrestling, um, and not only did I see that article on or in the one of the magazines, I they also did um, a special. A documentary on maybe the discovery channel I, I don't quote me on that but um and that's where i kind of discovered upw was literally in la which was maybe well, El gundo like an hour hour and 15 minutes away from my house so I, I discovered that at 16 so i had two years to go before i um you know, was going to, cause I, I made sure I was going to graduate first, just get that, you know, focus on my school. Um, obviously I had, you know, I mean, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about wrestling or that I wasn't doing something wrestling related. Any school project I had, I was literally that kid going, okay, let's see, how can I turn this into something wrestling? <laughs> how can I you spend know? this? How can, yeah, and I did. I managed to figure out different ways, put some type of wrestling spin on something. And even if it was like a history project, I'd probably like just make like a joke out of something somehow. I mean, I think that's how I passed the amendments test, like the right to bear arms. Okay, this is how I'm going to remember this in order. Like, I think I thought of like <laughs> Scott Steiner. I thought of Scott Steiner. It had nothing to do with guns. I thought of Scott Steiner because he had he, big arms. Yeah, you he, know? he was a mathematician and, too. He's a yeah. math genius. <laughs> um, and then there was um, the right to a speedy trial. And I thought of Rey Mysterio because he was quick. And that's how I related it. Yeah. Like, that's who they, yeah. So, I mean, if you gave me a list of them, I could probably be like, okay, this is what I did here, did here, did here. Plead the fifth, Booker T, five-time WCW champion. <laughs> oh, man. So you really did take those steps to kind of incorporate everything. But yes, kudos yes. to you, though, because most people, yeah. you're in a position where you find out where wrestling school is and you make your education your number one priority. So kudos to yeah. you for that. Yeah. And wanted to make sure that that was taken care of before you yeah. focus on this dream. Yeah. So you, you go to wrestling school. What was that experience like when you first started? Um, <laughs> well, it took... um. First bump I took was on a crash pad on the floor, 
And I think that you were just kind of like, there wasn't really a school that was like, cause I know a lot, like talking to a lot of my friends who, you know, some of them trained in Mexico, some of them trained, um, in just different parts of the country or, you know, you know, wherever, everywhere you go is a different experience, you know, and UPW for me, it wasn't like, well, you're going to be rolling for a year before you even, uh, take a bump. It was, it was pretty much like, okay, well, you're here, we're going to train you on different things but before i took a bump in the ring obviously they're like all right well let's let's test you out here and i just remember taking one of those like kind of like the guy sits on all fours and then you kind of roll off his back to a bump and just remember um, now keep in mind keep in mind that i had the upw training video before i went to wrestling school and I would practice what they were teaching that I could, you know, practice like, you know, drop kicks and bumps and all that on a trampoline in my backyard. So I went from a trampoline, like I, I knew it wasn't going to be soft, a real ring or anything, but I went from a trampoline to, okay, let's do this. And I just remember getting the wind knocked out of me. So that was my first experience. I was like, okay, well, I've come this far. This is the career I chose. You better get used to it. Hi, this is Stella Gray from Women of Honor, and I just want to wish Matt a very happy birthday. I hope you have the greatest year and keep kicking ass. And thank uh, you for such an amazing interview, and I hope to be back. Happy birthday, Matt. Now, you take that bump. It's not comparable to what it was like when you were doing this on trampolines. You yeah. kind of fast forward from here through wrestling school, and it's time for you to kind of venture out on your own. Now, I I apologize. I obviously every single wrestling school is different whether yeah. they have their own promotion that runs and they kind of give you the, your shot there and you yeah. kind of build up through that promotion or they just kind of send you off on your own with just an idea of which promotions to go with. Now I, I need to go for my ad revenue. So obviously you've made your way around, but predominantly after wrestling school, you kind of made your name overall in SCP. So how did that kind of play into it? Because for those individuals that don't know, it, whether you're on the East Coast, you're not familiar with West Coast promotions, you, you've kind of been a staple in SCP for quite some time, and you've held quite a bit of gold. Yeah. Um, well, basically with how that – okay, I'll, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Sure. So going through wrestling school um, – I was, I, I just, I always believed that, like I said, this was always my goal, my dream. I was dedicated, determined, still am. That's just how I, like I said, it's just the way it is with me in wrestling. I was there all the time. Like, I mean, you know, every single class, it didn't matter who the trainer was. I was going to learn something from somebody, even if it was like, just, you know, like one of, one of my trainers was, uh, my trainers were the Ballard brothers, Aaron Aguilera, Ryan Sakota, and Nate Nickerson. Okay. Those are my original trainers. Now, um, um, Aaron was very big on, uh, cardio and just in ring, uh, endurance and just all sorts of, like, he just beat the crap out of us, you know? And when I say us, I mean, like, it, it, <laughs> there were very few people who went to his class and I could never understand it because if you want to be a wrestler, I always just felt like you, you made time to get to the school like rain shine tidal wave i don't give a flying rat's ass i'm getting the class you know so they took like the the main i guess the main trainers would be the ballard brothers they took notice of this and um the upw at one time that was like the place 
for like one of the, the you know the the West Coast main place for WWF WWE territories. You know, like yeah. that's where they went to find guys. Well, around the time I got there, they were kind of slowly. I, I don't know what happened. I you know don't no questions whatever. Um, but they were slowly kind of getting out of it, and there weren't really. I think from the time I started training there to the time, you know, I was done there and like shut down or whatever. I, um, there might've been three shows from them. Wow. Yeah. And so a lot of it was, um, on the ballards and out of the kindness of their hearts, they, you know, they would get like festivals and stuff like that. And that's where we really got a start for the most part. But I mean, my first match was at, um, a marketplace in Anaheim. Then my next match was for UPW. And I want to say that was either the last or second to last UPW show. Um, so, so I did that one. And then from then on, that's where the ballards were like, all right, let's, um, you know, bring them out and we'll start getting them on like festival shows and just, mm-hmm. you know, you know, so that's kind of how I really got my start. Now here's where SoCal pro comes into play. Um, that, I think it was the night before um, I get a call once again from Shannon, Shannon Ballard saying, what are you doing tomorrow night? Like nothing. What's up? We got a spot for you on a show. Are you interested? Are you available? I was like, of course. Cool. We'll pick you up because it was on the way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. So um, that was the first time I met Jeff Dino, who was the promoter of SoCal Pro. Uh, No idea who I was. And in fact, that was the first time I actually wrestled as Ricky Mandel. Because I was toying with the idea of that name for a long time, and I just never used it. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to use it here. And so SoCal Pro really was that place that um, allowed me to get out there on a regular basis. Because, um, like I said, those festival shows, they didn't really, those were, you know, like holiday events. Like, okay, it's Labor Day weekend. We'll have four nights of wrestling. Okay, cool. But what happens after Labor Day, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of how... Um, SoCal Pro came into play, and yeah, o- over the time, um, he started me off as a babyface there, and I guess the crowd took to me, and he straight up told me, he's like, um, I really like how the crowd's reacting to you. I want to do this storyline with you, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm brand new. This is kind of like their first storyline they had, and it was me losing for an entire year just to get the sympathy, and then finally I'd get that big win. So I lost for a year, but then it all ended up working out because, I mean, I mean, I've done a lot for that company um, or with that company over the years. So mm-hmm. Now, what was kind of going through your mind when they looked at you and said, like, hey, you're going to lose for the next year? Um, well, ego would say, damn it, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, <laughs> shit. Um, and, you know, it gets a little frustrating because, you know, I start to think like, okay, well, if they're just seeing me as this like guy who always loses, I'm just, I'm just that. Like, I even look at it as like, oh, I'm a job guy. I didn't even think of that. I just looked at it like, damn, like, all right. But he pretty much promised me there would be a payoff for it. And sure enough, like, you know, I mean, I look back and I, I definitely, you know, think there was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for that company anyway, you know. Yeah, and just going from 
hey, you're going to lose for X amount of days to, yeah. okay, we're going to now, whether it be put this title on you, put that title yeah. on you, put you yeah. with this person, and now you're going to be a tag team champion, which yeah. obviously with everything I just mentioned happened. So yeah, it, it definitely didn't have its payoff, but I'm sure kind of driving into into the promotion, setting up the ring, going through the match, it's like, okay, well, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to lose again. It, yeah. it, it can be a little frustrating kind of keeping yourself motivated in a sense yeah. and getting better when you knew going into it, hey, I'm not going to win this match. Oh, I got this yeah. great opportunity with this person. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not going over. I, I just think it's like one of those things where, you know, wins and losses don't really, really matter. But in a way they do, because I guess if Hogan would have, you know, if he would have lost every match, he wouldn't have been who he was. Yeah. You know, so I, I just look at it more like from the fans' point of view. But at the same time, I, I, I feel like the fans didn't even give a rat's ass. They were just like, yeah, oh, it, Ricky's cool. Ricky's cool. We want him to win. If he loses, it's okay. Next time. Yeah. You know, that type of deal. Like the lovable loser, I guess. Yeah, like but, where if they can get so invested in your character, even if you lose, you win. Yeah, or exactly. Or they get so invested in the match where they want to see you win that they're going to come back now for the next show. Because hey, Ricky might have a chance here, or he this could be his opportunity or his turning point. Yeah, exactly. That and that was kind of the the idea behind it. Plus, I wasn't, you know, losing to schmuck guys. They were all legit dudes. Mm. You know, like yeah. not like it's like okay, well, this is good. At least it's not like bozo number two. Yeah. You know, like okay, great, cool. You're losing um, the like mini doink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the best part about it is also that that um, company also opened up doors for other things because then I ended up working for um, like you know Marquez with NWA Hollywood, and then from there turns into Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and you know that brought me to eventually him saying, "All right, uh, I want you to be the guy here." I'm like, "What do you mean by that?" He's like, "You're gonna win the Heritage Title." I'm like. <laughs> what okay <laughs> yeah you know like i'm i'm grateful that you know anytime somebody sees something in me it's like you know i'm i'm honored by it you know so it's like okay well if this guy sees something in me then i'm gonna go give him 100 and, you know 20 percent and just you know hopefully not screw up <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and you want to you want to better yourself you don't want to put yourself or make yourself complacent and exactly and put yourself into a position where you're kind of locked in with one promotion but there there were multiple yeah. different promotions within that area that were kind of seeing this success whether it be not necessarily from the wins and loss perspective but they were seeing yeah. the passion and they were seeing what you could and and would do and they wanted to have it on their promotion and like you had mentioned there there have been a couple different promotions that have kind of put that company on your, on your back and said look yeah. you're you're going to be the guy that kind of carries us to the next step and yeah. speaking of next steps that kind of takes us to what all those promotions pretty much led you to now you are still affiliated with a large majority of these promotions that you've mentioned previously but one that you haven't mentioned was one where they can find you on on netflix or on the outright mm -hmm. network which would be lucha underground i, I do want to start off by asking a question how, how did that kind of fall into place okay so lucha underground um, that was <laughs> the most random phone call I probably ever received. 
from wrestling because I, like at the time it wasn't, you know, nobody knew what it was, you know, it's just nobody ever heard of Lucha Underground, you know? So I get a call from the casting director as he were, uh, Marty Fortney. And he's the one who, you know, I think I, I think I might have let it go to voicemail just because it was an unfamiliar number. And he left a message just saying, hey, you know, this is Marty from we're going to be doing a show for uh, called Lucha Underground. And he just kind of gave me the rundown on it. And, um, you know, I call him back and we start talking. And uh, he's like, OK, I'm going to have you come in for an audition. And I'm like, OK, cool. So, you know, me being wrestler mind i'm thinking i'm gonna get in a ring and just kind of do like a tryout well it was literally you know a camera and cut two promos as a baby face as a heel and it's so funny to look back and they're saying like okay uh cut a cut a heel promo on um blue demon jr we're gonna have him on the show so cut a cut a heel promo on him like okay and the other one and like I said, at the time, no idea what the show is because it has nothing. There's nothing on it yet. Yeah. But he goes, and basically we're going to have um, our, our our main boss on the show is going to be a guy named Dario Cueto. We need you to cut a promo on Dario Cueto. And I'm like, what's his name? Dario Cueto. I'm like, How do you say Dario? Dario Cueto? Dario Cueto. Okay. Dario Cueto. Okay. Um, and so they had me cut a promo on Dario, not knowing who he was or what he looked like or anything like that. You know, I don't even know if they had him, you know, set up yet, but, um, so I go in, uh, do the audition and I, um, you know, obviously, you know, go home. Uh, but here's the thing. They gave me dates and I told them which ones I was available for. And by that, I mean all of them because I wasn't going to miss out on that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I give them all the dates and whatever and, okay, cool, we'll be in touch, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think they were, this was around the time where they were, they pretty much had a few guys under contract, or they were starting to get their guys under contract. So they were going to have to have um, almost like, I remember they did one with Cage, where, like, somebody bashed a beer bottle over his head. Like, that, those type of vignettes, mm-hmm. just to kind of introduce each character or certain guys. And I was actually scheduled to do that. But what happened was, and I should probably mention that um, me and Marty Elias are super close. Like he's, I consider him one of my best friends and uh, mentor as well. Okay. And I've known him. I've known him for many years. I mean, he was he was there within my first three weeks of training at UPW. So I mean, we've always had. You've always, like, he's just been there since, yeah. since the beginning, pretty much. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't under contract uh, the first weekend or the first day of Lucha Underground. And what ended up happening was he's just like, all right, well, you know, he was under contract and he was the guy who I called. I was like, I just got a call from a place called Lucha Underground. Have you heard of it? Like, you know, do you want me to try and like, you know, put in a word? He's like, I know what Lucha Underground is. I'm like, okay, all right, sorry, sorry, you know, um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I'm certain he was the one who gave him my number, duh, right? Yeah. But um, now I know that. But um, he was the one who was just like, okay, yeah, the first uh, weekend of training or the first show just come with me and you know hang out meet the people face to face who you've been talking to and you know get to know these people because you're you know we're gonna try and get you in there and I'm like, okay cool so i go and just kind of chilling just meeting everybody you know and uh the next day comes along and he, once again he's like you're coming with me tomorrow right i'm like yeah 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 
of course, I'm going to be there. Well, we're at his house, and he gets a phone call, and the phone, it's from uh, Krista Joseph. And I could kind of understand what they're talking about over the phone. And he's pretty much like, I guess the conversation was, do you have the kid with you? He goes, yep. Does he have his gear? Yep. Of course he does. Okay, well, he has a dark match tryout with Hernandez tonight. And I'm pretty sure my stomach and my heart, like, mended into this big bowl of nervousness. Because I knew, like, okay, first of all, I'm wrestling, you know, Hernandez, who I know from, you know, I've watched TNA. So I'm like, okay, he's a legit guy. Don't want to screw this up, you know. And then um, it's my tryout with this company. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's the day of. There's no prep time you know it's okay he's got tryout okay let's go oh boy yeah um so get to the building fast forward and they pretty much gave me um a script of a character they wanted to try out and went out there cut the promo had the match and then came to the back and that's when they um asked me if i was talking to anybody about a deal and i told them how me and you know the marty fortney we're discussing different uh, contracts and, you know, just pricing or whatever, whatever salaries and stuff. And um, uh, he, I, I, you know, I told him what he said and he's like, all right, cool. And then he came back with the contract. Like immediately. Yep. Wow. Yep. They just had to print out a couple, you know, obviously put my name on it, which by the way, they put Ricky Mandel. I still have the original copy with her. It says Ricky Mandel, which is not my real name. So I had to be like, oh, by the way, my real name is Richard Matthew. Um, <laughs> can we switch this up? Because uh, I don't think a check would do too well at the banquet for, for good old Ricky Mandel. <laughs> <laughs> Go in there with your promo shot. Like, no, like, yeah, this is yeah, my no, ID. This is me, I swear. I swear it's this your is eight me. By ten. Like, you I know it's an mask. 8 by 10 but this is really me. It's like, I um, didn't go to Kinko's and just print off 50 of them <laughs> for this purpose. Um, so the character they wanted me to portray never seen the light of day. Uh, it was a character called um, El Americano. And, uh, yeah, like I think I have, like, one picture of me at, in that getup. It, it looked like um, Jack Black's outfit, where it's like a light, like a baby blue. <laughs> you, you were Nacho Libre? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. It's for fun. Yeah, essentially, yeah. But Another it was like Nacho Libre meets, meets um, Captain America. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I had nothing but trouble with that particular mask. I, uh, there, was no, there was no bottom. There's no strap on the bottom. So it would, like, shift during the match. Oh, God. Like, oh, jeez, man. Oh, it's like, just stick with it. Your you eye know? holes through your ear hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And then eventually, which I thought was really cool for a while, that that's when they started. Because I was doing a lot of dark matches during season one. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because they knew eventually, I mean, because I was doing Ricky Mandel on TV. But they wanted to um, try me out for uh, one of the Disciples of Death. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when I became Tresse. So that's most of the stuff I was doing during season one. Mm-hmm. Um. So it went from El Americano, uh, nope, not going to do this, to um, just being Ricky Mandel to a disciple. Yeah. And, and then and you went pretty... on to become a trios champion in the meantime as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, obviously that was during your time with the disciples. But now, yes. fast forwarding to a character that 
to say I have a few questions on would be an understatement. Uh, okay. You, you are currently going by one Ricky Mundo. Now, yes. when was this idea pitched to you? And needless to say, if, if Rosa's here, we might have a problem. Because that's just I, – I, I just know I have like char, I have like Chucky flashbacks with dolls. Okay. Like it, just, <laughs> it just – no, not me. But but when this idea was kind of pitched to you, because you said that you kind of grew up as a baby face, you became this character originally yeah. that was kind of portrayed to be that like lovable loser that finally gets his triumphant moment yeah. to now this character that like complete polar opposites. Like I'm at a loss for words because I can't even find like a common ground between the two. Well, sure. It, it, it kind of seems kind of out of the the norm of what you were expecting. So it kind of seems like it got you out of your comfort zone. When, when this was portrayed to you, what was your initial thought? Well, let me let me go back one more time because right before I was I brought it, I was brought in as a babyface, sure. But I mean, even before Lucha Underground, I I, I mean, obviously found my real niche as um, a heel where I portrayed okay. Mirror Image, Ricky Mandel, and I was just kind of like a. I don't want to say I hate the word standard because I, I think I brought it a different type of flavor. Cause I mean, I was, like I said, I, I had a, I kind of stole something from the million dollar man, how he had the million dollar championship. Well, I had this idea that I would do that, but with a mirror plate and be the best looking champion in pro wrestling history. So for a while there, I became a heel as the mirror image, Ricky Mandel and did this whole, I'm from sexy beach and chiseled city and all this stuff. So I got, my niche as a heel um obviously before lucha underground but then lucha underground brought me in as like like i said babyface ricky mandel mm. i guess um but the thing is is um like the whole pitching of this idea came about um it, it is it is completely different from what i was used to because mirror image was just an arrogant prick plain and simple that was just the gimmick i was going with uh, whereas Ricky Mundo, depending on which one we're talking about, because season three Ricky Mundo, um, I kind of turned him into, hey, Johnny, how you doing? Oh, hey, okay, yeah, oh, man, he's so great. Oh, man, you're the best. Kind of yeah. like a dork, if yeah. you will. Um, now, the, re- the, the way that was brought up was um, they gave me the script for um, Tresse, um getting killed off. So... I read this script and I'm like, holy shit, they're killing off Tresse. Like, shit, what am I going to do? Like, I, I like, are, I mean, is that the end? I, I really didn't know what to expect. So Wrestler 101 to me is if I'm going to go in and talk to these people, I want to have an idea to pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I have no idea what I'm going to pitch. Oh, do I pitch Mirror Image Ricky Mandel? Do I talk about bringing that guy to you know, the temple or that type of persona, you know, that character. Like, I'm not, oh, shit, I don't know. Well, the week of me getting this, um, the script to, you know, for Tressa getting killed off, I seen two things that at the time had no idea this would become my idea. It was a documentary on how Child's Play was made. And just what went into the animatronics of Chucky and just the story and just everything, you know, all the, the whole child's play, you know, just everything about it. And the other thing was 
an article on Facebook. You know how they have those? Um, they'll do them with a bunch of different things, but this one in particular was like 10 creepiest places in the U.S., right? Yeah. Or not in the U.S., I'm sorry, in the world. Well, one of them, the picture that was on there was of a bunch of like porcelain. baby dolls. Yeah, like yeah, porcelain dolls. From trees. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. I'm just going to check this out, you know? So I'm looking at this thing, like, and I finally, you know, after like, Oh, here's an abandoned water park. Okay, that's that's cool. We'll we'll get to that one later. Where where are these dolls at? You know. Yeah. Um, so finally, I come across it, and it's talking about there's this island of the dolls in Mexico and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is so cool, interesting. Oh man, creepy as fuck. But okay. Well, back to uh, <laughs> Tresse getting killed off, and I'm thinking, man, I gotta. I got to think of an, you know, an idea. What, oh man, please come up with something, please. I got to think of something. So, you know, I told this to a few people where that night I'm going to sleep and it seemed like now looking back, it seemed like all in the same instance, my eyes shot open at the same time. I had this like illusion or vision, illusion, vision of me coming out with a doll and it being cursed and i thought of like how everything rolled into it because it was from you know the island of the dolls in mexico okay well aztecs lucha underground uh lucha libre like mexico this all kind of ties in mm-hmm. so immediately i start to think of ideas and you know obviously my ideas were the ideas i pitched were a little bit different than what they went with but you know, all good. I don't care. It's just, I, I just wanted a doll gimmick. I thought would be cool, you know? So I, I, I remember, like that idea too, just incorporating yeah. the Island of the dolls and just yeah. how it all kind of plays together as well. And so that day I'm going into, um, you know, we're going to go film the, um, the scene with Tressa, you know, getting his heart ripped out. And, um, I'm sitting in one of the, the, green rooms just you know waiting on and i I see i see dj and uh matt stallman talking like they're they're busy going over different storylines or whatever they were doing and i'm sitting there like oh man do i pitch this idea i pitch it what if they think i'm dumb what if they think this is totally idiotic and i'm just a fool and i just they laugh me out the building and oh but it is a good idea i really like it i'm really passionate about this idea you know and i'm probably gonna Oh, I really want to do it, and I think it'd be great. And just at the very least, at least pitch it to show them you have ideas, and you're not just you know some guy going, oh, I don't know, what do you guys got for me? You know, yeah. I'm like, what do I do? Do I pitch it? Do I not? So I go in, and first thing he says to me is like, I just want you to know, yes, we're killing off Tresse. Um, we just don't, you know, the direction of the disciples just isn't what we thought or whatever. You know, I'm like, okay. And in this instant, I'm still thinking like, do I pitch it? Do I do it? Do I, should I pitch it? Should I say something? And like, my brain's kind of telling me like, don't you fool? Like, they'll think you're stupid. But then my mouth just kind of started rambling out the idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess it was meant to be. And it was just like, yeah, don't be afraid to pitch your ideas. So sure enough, um, they loved it. And they pretty much told me like, we can't do that um there's no time uh throughout the rest of the season for season two maybe during season three or four and i'm like okay cool and there you go but in the meantime um 
we want to put you with, uh, we want to turn you into like Johnny's like mini me and call you Ricky Mundo. And we'll have you do like all this stuff where you're just like super devoted to him and just like, like, like you're his biggest fan. You just want to be just like him. And I'm like, I love it. Let's do it. So that's pretty much how that all came about um, for season three. And then season four, uh, right before we start doing that, that's when they're like, hey, we're going to do the doll idea you came up with. I'm like, fantastic. Yeah. Not so fantastic for people that don't like dolls. <laughs> and then obviously, like, I mean, I do my own version on the indies, too. With I, I do a different, I mean, because I can't, Rose's their kind of their uh property i guess if you will um but i do my version on the indies with a doll i call lilith i don't know if you've seen that on my instagram account or anything like that but yeah so i see it i I don't want to see it but i see it sure 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 that's the plan (laughs) you gotta you gotta kind of you know filter the the pictures to make them even creepier with like black and white you know that's that's the idea <laughs> like i'm gonna wind up on a cruise like that's like my biggest fear is like i go on like this laver like this lavish cruise to like the caribbean and in mexico and then someone leaves me on the island of the dolls just as a joke yeah. that, that's my I thought, fear i thought about writing a script like that <laughs> yeah. you, you can steal I that idea. Was like I, I was literally like you know what that might be like a really good movie if like like just like a family or not like a like a couple maybe goes to like this island or like maybe they're on a tour kind of like um what's that what's that movie with the out to, not out to sea um, open water open water and then they get left behind but yeah. really the, the 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 idea was like the idea would be that like somebody's gonna steal this and I'm gonna be pissed but whatever um uh the 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 guy who um is in charge of um, the boat rides or whatever actually like did it on purpose to turn them into dolls or something, you know, some weird, some crazy different idea. Yeah. Just like leaves them behind and then they're stuck on this Island of the dolls. And then who knows, who knows you could go a million different ways with an idea. Yeah. No, like, no, like you're giving me nightmares. I'm (laughs) I'm never going on a cruise now. I, I, I can't even like, I, I can't even imagine that type of scenario even happening, but well, now I, it's becoming realer and realer. And I'd be I'd be more concerned about uh, I won't go on a cruise because of Titanic. I see what happens. I'm a good swimmer, <laughs> but like at the same point, I don't like I don't like dolls. That's what the, yeah, that's what they all said. Yeah, I'm a really <laughs> oh man. And now we're into the interview, and we already have our first Titanic joke. Yep. Oh man. Yeah, they were all great swimmers. <laughs> well, they made a joke about that in the movie. They're like, yeah, like it's so many thousand miles to shore. I'm sure you're going to do just fine or something. like. Yeah, wow. <laughs> like, Can you believe, going back to your, your previous statement about open water, can you actually believe they made a second one where they get Ooh. lost in the water again? But was it, was it the same people? I don't, I don't know if it was the same people. I, I just heard okay. that they made a second one. It's well, like, they made a Titanic 2 as well. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. What? No, they didn't. Yes. It was only on... Um, might have just been on FX or some something. Like straight to DVD. TV, maybe No, sci-fi. Sci-fi showed it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And That's it weird. was just like, like oh, we're going to remake the Titanic and we're going to um, sail it down the same, same whatever 
same route that it took the original took yeah. well then it pretty much had the same um i don't think it hit an iceberg i don't remember i really i, 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 I seen it asteroid. once yeah i seen it once and it was one of those movies where y- you get through it but it takes a week you know it's like okay and watch this for five minutes and then go you know you get sidetracked you're else. doing something else yeah, yeah yeah it was it was bad it was <laughs> oh I have a lot of those things, too. Like, multiple different shows. Like, there's multiple different shows that, like, I I try to get into. And there's some that I I am into, but it takes me a while to actually complete it. Sure. And I think that's a great transition for our next point. Now, you've been in four seasons now uh, of Lucha Underground. Now, what kind of separates you from other wrestling promotions is obviously this exclusive availability to individuals. Now, with Netflix, now, the people that are listening right now, you can admit it if you want to or you don't. You probably don't pay for Netflix, but you have Netflix. Everyone has a friend that gives you an account or you're stealing it from a parent or you actually are paying for it and you're the unsung heroes because I'm that individual and there's six people that are using my account and there's six different profiles on my account. And I only have one of them, but we're the unsung heroes. But with yourself, you, you kind of have a leg up because you have the WWE who has the network. You, you can find all this exclusive content, whereas other individuals, they don't really have that exclusiveness. You have to go through, whether it be the Be, in Sports, be On Sports app or Fight TV or the list goes on and on. But Lucha Underground can be found on Netflix. Now, not every single season can be found on Netflix. But for yourself, do you feel that it's given you more exposure being able to tell people, whether it even be other promotions as well, where you can tell people, hey, well, you can see me on Lucha Underground on Netflix? Uh, Well, to pick up line on my Bumble and Tinder account. (laughs) (laughs) It's a it's a very easy it's it's very helpful with that. Uh, what do you like to do? Oh, I like to watch uh, blah blah blah. You know, the Netflix. Oh, I'm on a show on Netflix. It's like your your Netflix oh. and chill. It's like Lucha and chill. Lucha and chill. If they go out, they don't go out. I don't know. They don't go out. <laughs> 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 they go. Oh, what's it? Lucha under uh, pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, but. No, but I really do feel, of course, it's it's a huge platform because, I mean, I mean Netflix is all over, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you can find it. I, I mean, I'm sure there's multiple. I mean, just places you don't even think of that could just access Netflix, and therefore access Lucha Underground, and therefore see you, and you get recognition from that. From people, I mean, I get random fans. I, and don't ask me how they get my address. I, I have no idea. But they'll send me pictures from like Germany and be like, "Can you autograph these for me and send them back?" I'm like, how? That's terrifying. How'd you get this? I'm like, how'd you get this? That's... This is, and it's just random pictures of me and the disciples and and uh, okay. Like, um, this is where I sleep, but yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> terrifying. Um, yeah, so, so it was, it's, it was the first time it was kind of, wow, this is, and I'm sitting there thinking like, do I, 
I don't put my address or my, I don't put my phone number anywhere. And when people call me on Facebook, that's annoying. Oh God. You know, just like, I don't even think they're fans. I just think like, I don't know who these people are calling me. I get like, it's really weird. Like some of the bots that I'm getting now too. Like yeah. now you're on a completely different platform than, than I am. I, I don't have a series on Netflix and like, I'll get like the most random phone calls. I'll get, like messenger, like just random people calling me. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's and weird. I don't know. They, I don't like. It's like if you do search, it's not like I'm an avid wrestling fan. It's like, okay, well, this person knows me from Lucha Underground, or this person knows me from wherever. It's literally just random. I guess what you said, bots. Maybe I. I don't know. I really don't know. But it 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 comes very annoying when you're going when you're trying to sleep at three in the morning. And they're hitting you up. Oh my god! And it's like I didn't give you my phone number, so Facebook might want to, you know, check check that out too. Check, check themselves. Check themselves. Yeah. yeah. How how do they even do that? Like they find your address, they're sending you pictures. Yeah. Like, Please autograph yeah. this. I'm I'm a big fan. It's like yeah, you're a real big fan, but I think uh, yeah. I, I think stalker <laughs> would be a, a better terminology. A better for it. term. Yeah. yeah. Send it to the temple. Send it to the temple. I yeah. Won't think, like I would understand I won't think as much. Like, and I've done that. Like, we had a, a former guest that, like, I, I sent, like, one of our T-shirts to that person. Sure. I sent it to their dojo. I'm not yeah. going to send it. I'm not going to ask them for their address. But, like, these people you haven't even had conversations with, and they're sending you, like, like eight by tens. Like, please sign this. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, you're from Germany, and you know where I, like, what the heck is going it's on? Just, I just, yeah, but that's Ugh. just the thing. I just don't understand. I just don't get how they would know. That's the only thing I'm like. Because if if uh, if if uh, a fan who just wants an autograph and is just is harmless and just wants an autograph, like you know, okay, that's one thing. But who knows what kind of yeah. you know people we live we we live in a you know in a world where you just don't know yeah. what you're getting from people. So no. you know if if they could find it, then who else is finding? information maybe like, they Ugh. found it on like the, like on a sketching on like the the island of the dolls or something like that's that. that's probably what happened yeah, yeah it's like Rose written on Rose a wall my stuff yeah it's like ricky mundo was here it's like in the cabin like <laughs> right underneath it like if found please f- send remains to this address yeah. <laughs> that's where they found it no big deal. they were on a cruise that they didn't know anything about some guy left them on the island and <laughs> yeah, that's how it works yeah they, you save their lives that's that's how they got through it like rosa showed up and they're like oh well like this is how you can repay your debt you send these pictures to this address and all is forgiven it's kind of like the ring like they have to get yep. it or in seven days they die <laughs> who knows but send them the photos i don't want to you have to yeah okay, otherwise Rosa. it's like <laughs> just send them back a picture of the doll just like with crayon on it oh i'm man. waiting on that one can you have rosa sign this oh my god uh sure it's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's going to be weird, but yeah, I guess. I don't even know what her handwriting would look like or whether <laughs> she could hold the pen. <laughs> no, I usually I usually take care of the pen work. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so I have a couple more questions for you. I'm sure, sure. We, we can continue talking for hours. But yeah, a couple more questions for you, first and foremost. Now, I, I obviously, you're in Lucha Underground. You're making your... Some stops in other promotions as well, but we're coming yep. up on the end of the year right now. What can we expect coming into 2019? I've been 
sending out the feelers and I've been in contact with multiple promotions, um, just waiting on the actual dates and confirmations. Um, I don't want to really say anything about certain things just yet, but you'll be hearing some good stuff coming like that. That's for sure. I just want to, you know, not, not, not jinx anything, if you will. Yeah. Well, but yeah, there's 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 going to be some new stuff coming up, some new promotions I've never worked for, possibly some new countries. Awesome. So yeah. Well, we're definitely looking forward to seeing those updates. Now, I do have one final question for you. My co-host sure. normally asks this question. Okay. And it's unfortunate he's not here. It's his birthday, so it's fine. But okay. obviously, in the wrestling industry now, and I've been a victim of this too, but. As we know, ribs are kind of a pastime in professional wrestling. Whether they've happened to you, you've done it to someone else, or you've heard those age-old tales. Our last question for you is tell us your best rib story, whether it's happened to you, you experienced it, the best one you got, lay it on us right now. Well, the one that comes to mind is something I, I actually did recently, and it's, it's not like a dump in the bag or anything. You know, it, it was harmless, but... A rib is a rib is a rib. So um, let's touch back to SoCal Pro really quick. Um, uh, Dino uh, wanted to get um, a lot of people's ideas um, for different characters and different storylines. Not just who do you want to wrestle. He really wanted to um, incorporate storylines into his shows. So um, I showed up. And, you know, I pitched my ideas that I had and there were supposed to be a few more people to show up and pitch their ideas. Uh, apparently these people didn't show up. Uh, they found other things to do that night. So we're waiting on somebody to come in and pitch an idea. Well, this particular individual was doing um, like a redneck type gimmick. So we're waiting on him to come in and just pitch whatever ideas he has. And um, he's no showing. He's not showing up. So I decided to text him. I'm like, hey, where are you at? And he goes, oh, I'm at um, a Padres game. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you could have let these guys know, like, that you weren't going to come in and pitch your ideas. That's what we were waiting on, you know? So I decide, like, you know what? I, I know I don't have anything to do with your creative team, but do you mind if I just play along with this? He goes, go for it. So I'm like, well, I'm in charge of your character now. So what, what ideas did you have? And so he, he sends me some ideas and I'm like, ah, ah I don't know, man. I, I think we're going to have to go with this instead. So I start telling him that he's going to have to um, go from being a redneck gimmick to um, a country singer. Okay. <laughs> so. And he's like, I, I don't know. No, no, no. I'll get booed. I'll, I'll be, you know, he's from, he's from the South. I'll get booed. I'm like, no, man, it's going to be great. Like, they love you. So no matter what you do, they're going to love it. He's like, I don't know how to play guitar. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Just bring out the guitar and pretend, and you're, you're going to sing a song, and it'll be great. I'll get booed. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to sing and give Nobody likes these guys. I'm like, no, no, no. Trust me. It's going to work. So I'm playing with this for like weeks maybe even like like up to six weeks or something like that and every so often i'm just like oh yeah did you start uh 
you start learning how to play the guitar and you know i have this idea we're gonna get you cowboy hats and we're gonna do all the i'll get booed no it's terrible i'm like i'm telling you this is the greatest idea for you ever right so i um eventually i don't know how i came up with this but i just started writing some random bullshit song and I sent it to him. I'm like, you got to have this memorized by this this next show because we're going to have you debut it. You're going to come out with the guitar. It's going to be great. He's like, no, I can't. Oh, man. So meanwhile, I think he thinks he's kind of onto it where he knows it's like a rib. But at the same time, like since I'm still playing along with it, he's starting to kind of get concerned. And you know that feeling when you really don't want to do something, but like, it like lingers on you. Like it's the last thought you have before you go to bed. And the first thought you have when you wake up in the morning. Oh yeah. You know that feeling? I'm like hoping he has this feeling for these, you know, that's what I'm like, just cause I'm just messing with him. And he's, he would like text me and be like, Oh, do we really have to do this? I'm like, bro, trust me. It's a great idea. And I'm having like all these other guys saying like, man, I heard about the idea, man, that's so good. You're going to, it's going to, it's going to be so great for you. And you know, all this stuff. And he's hating it. Well, um, basically, long story short, we get to one of the shows and we're taking pictures before this event. And it's at Dino's um, wrestling school, this particular event. So he has, um, you know, a lot of his merchandise um, for Russell Warehouse and just autograph like stuff, you know, memorabilia and stuff like that. And one of the things he has is a guitar signed by Honky Tonk Man. So I go, hey, get down that guitar and give it to him for a picture. And he brings it to him, and he's like, you're doing this gimmick. This is a real thing. Here's the guitar. You have the song memorized. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, man. I thought this was all a joke. I thought it was all a rib. I'm like, no, man. Okay, you don't have to sing the song tonight, but please have it memorized by the next show. We'll just... You know, tonight you could just come out with the guitar. No big deal. We'll we'll work on it. Okay, fine. So I think he was on either first or second. Well, about ten minutes before his match is when we decided to tell him it was all a rib. Next time, fucking come when we tell you to. The oh picture ideas. <laughs> Did he let so, out like the biggest sigh, or like was he oh, just like extremely like aggravated? He was, God damn it, I knew it was a rip. No, God damn don't talk to me. Don't talk to me right now. Like, oh, oh one of those. Just admit it. Just admit it. It's like, should have went to the Padres game, man. Yeah, all you ever had to do is just come and pitch your stupid idea. Yep, that's all you had to do. But, so, yeah, so I don't know. You call that a rib? I don't know. I, oh, no, I love the ones that, like, <laughs> you can convince multiple people to also get involved, too. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, like, this is real. Like, you're no longer, like, a redneck. You're a country singer now. Like, do you yep, have the yep. song memorized? Yep. And when you can get multiple people to kind of play along with it, like, especially when you're, like, texting someone else, like, dude, like, you, you'd be real with me. Like, no, like, yep. this is real. Like, you are, this is your new character. Those are the best it, ones. It was a good song, too. I'm just going to admit. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, if you want to follow along and find out what is going on with Ricky coming into 2019, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Ricky underscore Mandel. That's M-A-N-D-E-L. You can also find him on Facebook as well. Don't call him. Let him get him. <laughs> let him get his sleep. But you can find him on Facebook 
at Ricky Mandel as well. Any other platforms that you want to pitch right now? Do you got? Uh, are you on Pro Wrestling Tees? I am not. I usually just take my stuff and uh, sell it with the shows. Okay. Yeah, know where they can thing. find your your merch online? Uh, like I said, like I usually uh, pitch it on my Instagram or Facebook. Okay. And then we go through there, yeah. Well, go follow him on Instagram and on Twitter and Facebook. Don't call him once again. If you have an 8x10, bring it to a show. Don't send it to his house. If you find out where you can find his address, I'm sure he would truly appreciate you exposing that information to him so he can have it shut down. But, Ricky, I truly appreciate your time here tonight. Thank you so much for coming on. And we're looking forward to seeing what 2019 has in store for you as well. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, this is the Madman Fulton, ASWA Heavyweight Champion. Just calling to wish Matt a happy birthday. Wait, hope you have a great day. As for Patrick, I'll see you in February, brother. Hey, Matt, this is Tony Storm, your Central Empire Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, your Pro Wrestling 2.0 Heavyweight Champion, and your DCCW Heavyweight Champion. I just wanted to give you a call and wish you a happy birthday from sunny Tampa, Florida, from me and all my storm chasers, Matt. Love you. We appreciate anything you guys do with the Dark Match Podcast. Stay safe, be happy, and have a great birthday, man. Talk to you soon. Well, that was an exciting interview that you weren't a part of. Yeah, I'm still really pissed off because he was definitely one of the guys on the list that I wanted to interview. And, of course, I had to be born this day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's blame the fact that your mom decided to have you. So, Well, you know, this wasn't my original due date, so I feel like it's technically not my fault that I was born today. Yeah, blame your so mother. So I'm not taking any responsibility for it. Well, I mean... I digress. Happy birthday regardless. And it, it's actually kind of cool that all these people that have called in and wish you a happy birthday as well. So a lot of our... Actually, hold on. I want somebody real fast to say happy birthday to me that hasn't been on our show yet. Here we go. No. My wife, <laughs> Melissa. I don't have a comment. I love you. Happy birthday. Your, nine, your podcast is awesome and you're only 97 years old, so going strong. Yeah, he's really fucking old. He is really fucking old. What <laughs> happened? I, I don't I know. know. You married him. You married I him. I know. I don't know what I was thinking. No, I don't either. But if you want to <laughs> give me your husband back, I will. Soon enough that she'd still be able to find a young man. Let's be honest. You're you're on the back nine. Let's put it. Let's be honest. <laughs> you're on the back nine. <laughs> I'm already at the 19th hole drinking. What are you talking about? Yeah, we're already on the party bus on the way to hell. But hell of a weekend. I mean, more importantly than ASWA's uh, fun time, as we can put it. Uh, there was yeah, a couple it was more. A huge weekend. It huge. was huge. So huge, with the exception of those dweebs from ASWA. But yeah, those freaking dweebs. Those dweebs. Final battle was this past weekend, and quite a bit for Ring of Honor as well. But without touching on the actual event itself, I think there's a bigger question that needs to be asked. Now, there's been quite a few rumors going around, and after the events of Friday and Saturday from Ring of Honor, two major announcements and kind of two major speeches were made. Now, following final battle, uh, the Young Bucks actually grabbed microphones and, and made a few announcements and thanked Ring of Honor for their time um, and mm. pretty much told them, hey, we, we wish you the best of luck in the future. We don't know where we're going from here. And they were very adamant about that. But at the same point on mm -hmm. Saturday, Cody Rhodes made the same announcement, kind of wishing Ring of Honor the best of luck and wishing them all in their future endeavors as well. And, and it kind of begs the question, what's going on here? Where well, are I mean, the young? It, go ahead. Well, where, where are the young bucks and Cody going? They they say they don't well, know I mean, what they're doing, but 
There's rumors. There's rumors. And I know it's all rumors and innuendo, but I don't know if you've heard the same thing I've heard, that they're showing up at the Royal Rumble. I don't see that. Now, the thing with that, that is, is I think it's only a cameo. If they're going to show up at the Royal Rumble, they might fight in the match. But I can't see in a cold day in hell that they're staying in the WWE when they've already got their second pay-per-view starting in the works. I, I, I don't down. know. I, I don't know. I, I think if that was to happen, it's a great step in in the direction for yep. for these talents being allowed to wrestle, not necessarily exclusively for WWE, which would be great. Let, let's be yep. honest. It, it would be great if he allowed his talent, if they wanted to go and they wanted to do a, a different show or – I mean, some of this underutilized talent or some talent yep. that's only getting used in dark matches and they're pretty yeah. much just showing up to the arena, just sitting in the back, just collecting dust. Let them... Yep, and sitting and eating some food back in catering. Yeah, let them go to independent shows. Let them earn a yep. little bit extra cash. And I mean, you see people from NXT all the time. You got quite a few that are appearing in Evolve. Yep. Why not let them go let out? Them. We've been saying this for months, Patrick. Let these guys go other places. What is it going to hurt you if they're seen other places as long as they're on your show? Well, and I agree with your your standpoint from it, but we're looking at it from a fan's perspective. So to play devil's advocate, I have to look at it from a business perspective. From a Vince McMahon perspective. Well, I wouldn't say Vince McMahon. Yeah, let's look at it from that perspective. I want them to be my exclusive property. If they sell a T-shirt, I want my cut. If you're doing a DVD, I want my DVD cut. I want everything. It's it's all a corporation. It all is comes down from the top. That's the way that it works. And well, how about this? Meet in the middle. When I agree. Our shirts are sold at your shows. You get a cut. If it's a DVD, that's a WWE DVD because we fought in WWE rings, and then you release the DVD, you get your cut. But when we're out doing other things, that's our thing, not yours. You've got to be able to, you've got to bend a little bit these days, like every other promotion is doing. I agree. And there's a lot in the works. There's a lot of promotions still to this day that are doing that, that are intermingling and are combining and saying, hey, we can can do something great and we can do something great together. So, yeah, no, I mean, who, who knows? But. Did you catch that uh, pay-per-view last night? Yes, I did. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for this weekend's episode. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to jump right over it like that. (laughs) So, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there were a few good matches. I like how they had the women's match last. I thought that that match deserved to be last. That was the best match. That was match of the year. It was the main event. That was match of the year. Yeah, it was the main event. By far, it may have, it may win match of the year at the end of the year. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. That was a oh, fantastic yeah. first match. ever women's TLC in the WWE, and it delivered. And it did shit ending, just because I I want my girl Becky to win. But I mean, yeah. I I get where they're at with it. They're building yep. to something bigger. So with yep. all these people that are complaining, like, oh, I can't believe they took it off Becky. Yeah, because they're gonna give us what we want. Yep. So who knows if it happens? I don't know. Because I see it going. It's going to be a good next six months. That's all I know. I hope so. And and we're recording this during Raw right now. I don't even know what's going on. But, I mean, Baron Corbin's out of power. I mean, why make that a TLC match if you knew 
nothing was going to happen. Just make it a no DQ match. You pretty much took a, a honestly like a, a TLC match out of a, any of those other scenarios. You knew he yep. couldn't do it. Why make it a TLC match? Why not yep. give Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins a TLC match? I understand yep. why. Because then it would be well, yeah. You you're gonna have the women's match, which was gonna be a TLC match, so you wanted to have it. But there could have been other stipulations, even for AJ and Daniel Bryan. That's another one that they could have easily threw a stipulation into, whether it been a chairs match or a ladders match or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, you could have just done a ladder match. I think would have been false count anywhere. Daniel, false count anywhere. No disqualifications. They'll get there. I think they'll get there with Daniel and AJ. I but think when you have a still. specialty pay-per-view and you have lack of specialty, that's my only qualm with it. If you're going to I have mean, a specialty... You had your ladder match. You had, or you had your chair match. You had your table match. You had your TLC matches, which you had multiples of those. So, I mean, there were a lot. You don't want to oversaturate it. Did you go to WWE TLC a few years ago when they were here in Cleveland? And it was tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. I don't want to talk about it. That was a horrible event. There was only you know one why? good match the entire night. You know why? Why? Because every match had a freaking stipulation. Touche. Touche. You don't need a stipulation in every match, Touche. I'm going to give it to you. Just be a Matt Barger match. just had the, oh, my God. That was great. I liked it. Thank you. That was fantastic. And Thank because you. it's your birthday, we're going to end on that note. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I think you made a fantastic point to end it, and you just shot me down with your comment. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you have not yet done so. Be sure to subscribe at the bottom. Leave a rating as well. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at the Dark Match Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Dark Match PC. You can find us on Facebook at the Dark Match Podcast as well. Be sure to head over to whatamaneuver.net. Search Dark Match Podcast. Pick yourself up some vintage Dark Match Podcast merch. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. And it's time for some unfortunate news. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Due to the holidays, unfortunately, this is going to be our last, our last. (sighs) (sighs) Try to get through it. Try to get through it. (sighs) Try to get through it. This is going to be our last show of 2018. No, I had to. Why has it got to be our last show of the year? Why? Because we Why? have the holidays. We have the holidays. And we record people on... We need us. We need people. We, we do. We but need wrestling. We hey, need to talk about it. We have plenty of wrestling to come. And I can promise you guys one thing. Come 2019, our first episode of 2019, I can promise you is going to be a banger. So... Everyone from all of us here at Dark Match Podcast, myself and Matt, we thank you for all of your support in 2018 and making this wonderful... Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And making this idea that we had in a parking lot a reality. It's been so much fun so far this year. We can't wait to see what 2019 brings. But that's going to do it for us here at the Dark Match Podcast. Everybody have a great night. Happy holidays. And more importantly, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. But more importantly than that, Happy Birthday, Matthew. Thanks, buddy. Boom. Boom.